Hi there folks, uh, welcome back to another episode of Know You Better. My name is Jonathan Cardwell and if you haven't listened before, uh, just let me give you a rundown of what the show is about. I take my microphone and go and visit some interesting people who do interesting things with their lives, be it a job, a hobby, a club or whatever. This week I'm speaking to Ryan Hollinger. Ryan is a YouTuber who deals primarily with analysing your favourite horror movies and the deeper meanings behind the most iconic characters and images in the genre. Um, he's amassed quite a following during his year on YouTube with nearly 500,000 subscribers and literally millions of views. Not jealous at all. I sat down with him and we discussed a whole range of topics from how making a video can be a method of coping with anxiety, his inspirations and aspirations for the channel, and what exactly is the key to YouTube success. A little hint for you, nobody knows. Enjoy the episode and uh, I'll see you again at the end for the socials. Ryan. Welcome. Thank you for joining us on the show. Um, I just wanted to start with a fairly basic question. Like, what is it exactly that you do? What would you consider your, your title? Okay, so, I, I, again, it was like over time, I kind of wanted to make it sound as professional as possible. So mm-hmm. I did, like going like a content creator and then like video producer. And at some point, I just settled with YouTuber because I kind of, okay. at this point, that's basically what we all call ourselves. Anyone that releases content on, on the YouTube platform. Mm-hmm. I basically make... People would call them video essays, but I'm not really... Mm-hmm. I more just like to call them, uh, you know, I like to call them video reviews. I, okay. yeah, I, yeah. I said I jump between I jump between the title because I, I think if, if you kind of constrain yourself to this one title, then it's like if you, if you venture off from it, people think, oh, you changed your, your identity or you changed your voice <laughs> or you're not this or you're a hypocrite or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, I make, I make video essays, I guess, from what people say on various films and stuff like that, predominantly horror because mm-hmm. that seems to be the, the niche that I've sort of settled into. And it sort of seems to be something that sort of speaks more to me than any other genre. And it's also kind of just a way of kind of exploring real life things and like thinking about like mental health and thinking about uh, personal experiences and like being able to apply them to like film which is a big love of mine okay uh, I, I know um, YouTuber is sometimes quite a loaded word depending on yeah what areas of YouTube you, you're talking about um, I can understand how one might be a bit reticent to use that term sometimes yeah I mean that's that, that's always the stigma you're fighting with like as a creator like that's why I always used video producer or media mm. or, or you know content creator because that seems more vague and broad at the same time whereas you go youtuber thing people think oh you're a vlogger or you're, you're one of the <laughs> yeah. paul brothers or you're one of those people <laughs> and you know it, and it's, it sounds so snobby when you try to avoid the title but i think it is because for so long people never took it seriously like i know i've been to various like media festivals and stuff like that especially locally and it's never really it, it, people don't really see it as a professional thing because it sounds so amateur and in, right, like, right, right. Yeah. In, in immature to a certain degree. But yeah. so it is, a, a, as you said, a loaded word. <laughs> <laughs> it's very right. Uh, so I, I have done here video essays. So I can change that. Don't worry about. It. No, use it. <laughs> but but um, what what was the first? Uh, why did you want to start making the video essays in the first place? Like I think for since I was about fifteen, I always wanted to be you know on YouTube because I did like the idea of being able to do everything from your bedroom, have that sort of freedom to be able Mm -hmm. to create things that, you know, there always seems to be that you need to kind of find your way to get your foot in the door of bigger industries like the BBC or, you know, Channel 4 or Netflix or whatever the heck Mm -hmm. broadcast uh, exists. But what was always sort of inspiring to me was just sort of seeing how like anyone and anywhere can do this and so I've always wanted to do it since a, since a young age and for now and again I did have various different channels where I did try to do video reviews and stuff like that there but I kept 
cringing at the sound of my voice and everything I did that I deleted all of that stuff uh-huh. and then it was at one point when I went to university uh, back in 2013 where I got really interested in like film analysis and like film theory and stuff like that and I ended up reading tons of stuff when mm-hmm. I was in uh, the library all the time because I'm that kind of nerd that didn't have anything else going on <laughs> and I think independently like I just sort of, I, like I know my lecturer uh, David Stevenson from Queen's University he was like saying you know, it, if you have this point, there's no one that can tell you it's right or wrong. You can run with it as much as you want if you yeah. can justify it in your own way. And I think that was more inspiring to me than just saying, I like things that I, I like. Here's the goods and bads, which most reviews tend to be. Mm-hmm. So I like this idea of going, okay, that's kind of should actually consider what they're talking about, what they're trying to do. So the first video I did was actually a video game on like the Telltale's The Walking Dead, which mm-hmm. I just completed, I think it was over Christmas of that year. And then I released that first video in February. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, I was like, oh, I've never seen game analysis. And this was like back when game analysis was like a very, like very, very, very tiny niche on YouTube. Now it's obviously exploded mm-hmm. and everyone's doing it. Um, and then, because this was like 2013, so it was like, what, nine, seven years ago? And oh, Christ. Saying, <laughs> saying that out loud sounds terrifying. And... Put the video out. Uh, I actually put it onto Telltale's forums on their website, and right, then their yeah. moderator shared it. And then, like, I went to dodgeball training that evening, and came back, and it was like thirty thousand views. Oh wow! And then after that, it was like, oh, this is kind of a thing. And then I got obviously was back and forth between doing it and doing university. And then at some point, by the end of it, I was like, by the time I finished university, moved to Ulster, finished my degree in animation realized the channel was actually in a pretty stable state. I mm-hmm. thought, I'm going to give this a run, do this for a full year, as my year out. And I nearly gave up six months into it because the views were like always fairly low, but they mm-hmm. were there. And then when I did like a video on Scooby-Doo, and then after that, I followed up with a bunch of horror stuff because I realized that's what I love to do. The channel just sort of, well, blew up in a modest sense. Yeah. That's where I started getting like, you know, thousands and thousands of subscribers and now I sort of just settled into it. Now I'm just on autopilot all the time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, um, I was going to ask like, what was the earliest iteration of your channel? I, like, um, before this, I was doing a bit of research and I, I noticed the um, the Walking Dead review and the Far Cry 3 review. Yes. Um, which I think might have been the first video I saw of yours. I know that's quite early, I think. Yeah, that was, I, either that was like the third or fourth. Like I had like videos in between it that I made, released, deleted them because I didn't like them. And mm. it turns out a whole sort of taking the whole serious analysis approach to media and, and art and stuff. Yeah, and that that's, I think to this day, that's still the one that like every time a new Far Cry game comes out, they'll go, when's your analysis coming out on it? But I just never, <laughs> never followed through with it. But yeah, that one, that one there was weird because I remember that one came out and it blew up a lot faster. But I, again, that was back when I was like, I didn't, I don't know what people were, how these people saw on this. I just did this, this 20 minute long video where I just yeah, rambled yeah. about themes that people then come out and say, that doesn't exist. That's not within the game. Because <laughs> people come out and say a company like Ubisoft, it's like, oh, they're, they're all AAA studios looking money grabbing. And I'm like, well, people do make actual art in these industries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can exist. So That's the thing. Uh, um, there's a friend of mine. He, he runs a, a website called uh, Films and Faith. Yes. Right? And he, he will always try and find the, the spiritual within anything. Yeah, I think he even has a, an article on Transformers. I don't know how you can find something spiritual. Yeah. No, that's 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 snobby. But, but uh, yeah, you know, I mean, there's something to be found in everything. And as you say, there's nothing. You can't be proven wrong. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's a. It's a, the only the only point to where it's like the idea of wrong being brought into the equation is if you use it. If you kind of like, you sort of. Again, it kind of comes to that idea where some there's definitely people out there, uh, very politically minded people that would like try to twist the narrative or something mm-hmm. to kind of make it fit in a political opinion. And 
like, and again, that's kind of where you kind of, where you always have that fear of being hypocritical, where it's like, this is just being used to now serve your own motive and twisting mm -hmm. the literal narrative of a film to fit that thing. But the more and more you think about it, you realize that's kind of why people like media. I mean, there's two different, I always see there's like two different strands of people, those that watch it for that pure entertainment value, which is like, you know, and, and then you have those that are like, they do want it to kind of have a personal connection to it. So it's mm -hmm. sort of so seeing something spiritual in turn. Uh, and Transformers and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I think that you see, like five odd years ago, I'd be like, "That's silly and stuff." <laughs> but now I, it's like, yeah, I think that's a great way. I think it's a great way to think. It mm -hmm. means it encourages people to look more into things, or at least, you know. Um, and, and I don't mean that in the sense that you don't want to get so wildly into something that it's like this makes no sense anymore. You're just being pretentious, which is a word I hear every hour of every day. But it's it's nice that like it's not just the same regurgitation of the same thing i like this thing and that's it i yeah. think it's nice to see people think more okay you know okay. Uh, you, you, talking about university your was your degree oh sorry your degree was in animation uh, degree and, in animation. and it was sort of in your own free time that you studied all the the film theory yeah stuff? so um i studied at queens for a year um did film studies uh declan keeney was my course director at the time and like i had like this was like during a part in my life where I just come out of, you know, coming out of school, going into university and the whole, he, as he said himself, it was like a cultural shock where it's like, this is all new to me. I've never done this. This is, this is all you. You're not, mm -hmm. there's no boundary in how you do things. You have to figure it all out yourself. And that terrified me so much. I kind of ended up in like a really bad place during that year. So much so that I never thought I would do it. But like this idea in my head when I was in school was I'm going to do film. I'm going to do film. I want to be a filmmaker. Then I got there and I realized it's not the filmmaking that interests me. It was the discussion of it and like being okay. able to, and I said, feel like, because I was in a bad place at the time, it was like the people in, in our, our class who'd be like watching that film, like, oh, I didn't get it, didn't really like it. It was, you know, it was bad because, and then they would go and kind of go into that sort of rant that like, oh, there's continuity errors and stuff like that, which mm -hmm. I kind of don't care about. Yeah. I kind of, and, but then it's like, I might read something like, oh my God, I connected with that specific thing. And that helped me through a lot of hard times. So, like, that was sort of where, like, the whole uh, Inside Lewin Davis video came, like, quite a while later. Um, so, I kind of focused on that. Then at some point, Declan Keeney was all like, uh, you know, if you really, really feel passionate about this thing, then you should pursue it. Mm -hmm. I decided to do animation because I think reading up on the course was I had a friend uh, who was, who was going to study it. And, like, she's an incredibly talented artist and stuff like that. Whereas I'm not an artist at all. don't have an art background, really. Mm -hmm. I like, can do, like, stick man and stuff like that. But when I met uh, Conan Fitzpatrick, who was the course director at the time, he kind of said, like, the idea of this animation course is that it's not just about, you know, we're going to make things move. It's all about exploring art in a way that's about, you know, connecting with an audience. And then he went through all, like, all the stuff that I was interested in. Mm -hmm. And it was just like a really, it was a really good, like, uh, salesman pitch. And it, <laughs> and it worked really well for me so much that I got into it. And then during that time, I was, like, interested in doing animation for the while. But then, yeah, I started, started focusing on the whole research end because someone who wasn't really, you know, the whole controversial thing when I went the an animation course was I didn't really care about animated movies. Mm -hmm. It wasn't really my thing. Um, then uh, UN was our lecturer in theory of animation and then she was kind of encouraging everything that like again I wanted to study when I was at Queen's and went into documentary animation was what my dissertation was on mm -hmm. and that was generally the path that I pursued but my whole entire life because I'm always trapped in my own head always constantly overthinking every little situation mm -hmm. there's something kind of relieving that I can then take all the kind of anxieties and stresses and all the constant like overanalyzing in my head and apply it to something specifically because in mm -hmm. some way it's like there's a it's like every time I release a video now I feel like it takes a massive burden off my mind 
Right. And so there's like a sort of like a, a release mechanism to it, you could okay. say. Okay. Does so that make sense? <laughs> no, it does make sense. I, I, I can understand that. Um, as you say, it is, it is getting a load off your mind. It, it does sound like it could be quite therapeutic. Well, that's like, what I find it to be. I, I love it when one of my videos kind of like when my subscribers really like a video that they personally connect with. So if mm -hmm. I, I talked about hereditary and this idea of like grief and, you know, things about loss and like being able to connect with those little things. Whereas someone goes, oh, that movie wasn't scary. I like Sam, but here there's something even more powerful to it. Yes. Uh -huh. uh, the idea of confronting fear. Again, like released a video on Midsummer at the end of last year. Mm -hmm. It was the same thing where it was like, here's a movie that uses uses fear to confront things that we worry about or try to repress or put away. And, uh, you know, like that's where the th sort of therapeutic sense is because I like the idea that if I can explore something that connects with me, it makes you feel a lot less isolated and a lot less alone, especially... You know, people say it's kind of childish you're looking at a film to find these things. Can you not just, like, live your life? And it's like, but it's nice that, you know, a filmmaker, when they're making something, they're obviously drawing on their own experiences, and it's it's their way of communicating with you. And I think that that communication is important because it does help. I know I'm kind of just going in circles now, but... Yeah. The, the, the sort of the therapeutic part of it's important to me. I think if I lost that, which there's definitely videos I've made where I realized I'm not enjoying this because I'm not getting out of it. I feel mm. like I'm trying to get out of this more for someone else's gain. Like, so there's definitely people go, oh, talk about this thing. And then I talk about it and realized I'm only doing this because people have encouraged me to talk about it. Right, right, right. So the more personally connected I am with it, the more, I guess in a way the video kind of comes out more abstract and almost like, because I write in a very like, uh, like stream of conscience style delivery where I just write it as I as I think it yeah. and then I don't really worry too much about structure I'm not really an English literature style person <laughs> I, I know it's like the whole is that thing about using big words and because uh, my like uh, my sister and I are like heavy heavy education backgrounds because mm -hmm. uh, my sister's uh, she's a PhD and she studies she lectures in, in Queens and stuff like that and mm -hmm. so she's like big brains <laughs> whereas <laughs> I'm more the one that's like uh, where she's like like very academically driven, like research, you know, applying all these theorists and philosophers and all our well, uh, theologians and stuff. She studied uh, theology, uh -huh. whereas I'm kind of like, oh, let's think about like the, the you know the emotions and something that's a bit more visceral and less cerebral and stuff. I was I was going to get into the sort of the nuts and bolts of YouTube. Yeah, if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. Well, my first question was, who was sort of your main inspiration for the channel? I mean, was it your, you said lecturer, was it? Uh, David Stevenson, yeah, was like, you see, so like, I guess I kind of jumped between kind of what was that kind of core inspiration, but I think when I first sort of wanted to do YouTube, uh, so like I was like really into like kind of that sort of childish stuff, so I had like a friend at one point where we were like, oh, let's make sketch Mm -hmm. stuff mm -hmm. and then, then it wasn't really then I realised not, not our thing I've been there too yeah <laughs> uh, and there's a point where we all think we're funny and <laughs> I went from that into wanting to do film reviews and Jeremy Johns had just sort of become a mm -hmm. he started getting bigger at this point I had actually asked for his advice and then uh, you know and I think that was kind of like cool that it was like oh me, like an actual YouTuber is interacting with me yeah, yeah. and this was back when he was like on like 50,000 subscribers or something like right, that so right. to me that was like I remember many years ago, probably nearly 10 years ago mm -hmm. at this point, it was like 50,000 subscribers was like, you're like, that's a God tier YouTuber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that was inspiring. Then again, when then I did it for a while, gave up on it because I was like, oh, don't like looking at my videos, don't like doing all this stuff. Uh, took a break. And then when I went to university and started sort of having those connections with people that thought like me, where mm -hmm. I was like, because, you know, when I was in school, I did, when I did Moving Image Arts, uh, quite a lot of the class were all like, like someone goes, well, what's this mean? And, and I'll be like going in this really like rambling nonsense, like I'm doing now into, into what <laughs> I think this one 
10 second image is yeah, what's yeah. going on in it and then the rest of the class look around and give you kind of like what the hell is he thinking what the hell is he doing again it's funny that you mentioned um, English literature English literature earlier, yeah because I did that for three years at university about poems you don't have yeah. to I mean, it's like yeah it, I, I understand what you mean absolutely I well like you see it's funny because like like I, I at one point you see because I'm like hardcore dyslexic well I say hardcore dyslexic I'm dyslexic is anyone else is dyslexic like, and so I'm very very bad reading and writing and right. I to, like I know you'll probably want to get into more of the, the technicalities of the YouTube mm-hmm. stuff but like um, it takes me so my videos average like a three page script mm-hmm. it'll take me at least three hours to record that script because right. of how many times I go over it because I, okay. I just can't read my own writing or, or not, can't, I can't you know I jumble words up and stuff mm-hmm. like that so mm-hmm. that's why I've always sort of strayed away from again people who do English literature because like they're they're, they're, the, they're the pros at it they have all the, the technicalities of the you know the structure of words right. and stuff whereas I've just never been into it I don't have that don't worry about it you're fine <laughs> <laughs> um, well, my next question was sort of uh, who would you consider your contemporaries you know you, you'd mentioned um, Jeremy ja- Johns Jeremy Johns yeah, so like that was at one point because I know he's just sort of straight up uh, everyday guy uh, rambles into a camera and does that there. In uh-huh. terms of the sort of the essay thing, like nowadays I don't watch a terrible amount of YouTube. I think it's okay. because I'm always have that fear that I can't live up to what they're doing, or else right. uh, it's a fear that I'm gonna do. I'm gonna make a video. It's like so I have a video coming out on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I'm scared to put that video up because then there could be another essayist who already talked about the same things I did, and then I have this constant fear that what if what if someone thinks I'm plagiarizing or stealing their opinions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if I don't watch it, then I guess you kind of live with the whole ignorance is bliss, where it's like okay, it's just we've both read similar things, which yeah. is which yeah. always happens. I mean, what, what do they call it? Parallel thought, isn't that what they call it? Do they? I, so. <laughs> no, I, I remember saying it like when it comes to um, to movie reviews. Yeah, I mean, at, at a certain point. Two people are almost certainly going to have the same thought about the same thing yeah. at some point. Yeah, because it was funny. I like because I, I watched. You know what got me the whole the whole fear of doing that actually was very recent because I watched a video by Hitch Bomber guy or something like that. He did a video on uh, plagiarism and he he shown how like somebody had copied his his analysis of Bloodborne, mm-hmm. but like and I was like oh my goodness, but they're sharing the same thoughts are the same thoughts I have. That's why I'm scared of doing a video on Bloodborne, yeah, yeah. which I eventually did. But then I realized, no, hold on, he's not talking about having the same thoughts. It's like it's how you can see he's taking things word for word, and then, and at that point oh, it right, sort of right, eased right. me a bit. But mm-hmm. I still watch that anxiety. But to actually answer your question was. Um, so I quite like Dominic Noble does a really good stuff. Uh, he does a Lost in Translation series, which is all about um, he kind of reads the book and it, and, it, and applies it to the to the, adapt- the film adaptation. Or mm-hmm. so he'll kind of compare and contrast the two and sort of show the differences in them, which I think is interesting because again, it's that idea where it's like so he did a video on uh, Die Hard, which I didn't know was a book, mm-hmm. but then it's interesting when he then compares the book to the film, where I'm, it, it then makes you go, oh wow, it's it's interesting how. I, you kind of compare how somebody read one piece of material and then applied, again, applied their own adaptation to it and stuff. So mm-hmm. like that stuff's interesting for me as a creator um, because I do like sort of seeing, I didn't know this or I didn't think of this. Mm-hmm. Um, other people, like I do like Matthew Buck. He does uh, film reviews, a projector series, which I, and I think it's really good that he sort of, you know, it's the positives and negatives uh, critics like to point out, but I like it when he specifically goes like really in depth and just sort of tries to analyze things and tries to, tries to see where the filmmaker's coming from or what they're trying to get across. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like, it seems like every critic just wants to be uh, either Roger Ebert or wants to be Mark Kermode. And mm-hmm. it's, I I mean, while, I'm, I, while I do really like Mark Kermode and stuff like that, I don't think that's the criticism I would really subscribe to. I feel it's mm-hmm. very, it's very one note and very binary to me. It's like, okay. 
So I uh, that's that, those are two specific creators I'm quite into. You mentioned about the script, like like from start to finish. Say from from the, you get the idea for what you want to do yeah. to you hit publish. You know how long does that take? I know there's probably not an average, but uh, so the actual writing process, mm-hmm. uh, two days. Okay. Realistically, if it's not going well, I might put it in the back burner and come back to it later. Uh, sometimes again, do a really good flow, and I'm like done in a day. Sometimes mm-hmm. there's, there's one occasion I've been done half a day. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the the writing process itself is generally. But like, I'm very loose as a writer. I don't really think to, you know, I don't think heavily about structure. I like to just sort of say, right, when I start, I kind of I've now gotten into a flow of where my videos are like a, I like I sort of say like a skeleton of how things go. So I just sort of jump into it. Here's the background. Let's set it up. Go into the film. Give the synopsis, and then kind of just start breaking it down then I just go along it until I feel like it comes to a natural conclusion mm-hmm. but well I mean I still throw away something it's always like the kind of end on sort of a, a thinking point but mm-hmm. again I'm not I'm not I'm never good at ending words as I said I just ramble till someone stops me so because okay. I'm the person that has to stop myself <laughs> it's yeah. like I hit three pages and I'm like okay stop yeah, and then that's sort of, and then I'll read it the next day and go, ah, you could probably get another half a page out of that, uh, yeah, or do, or that take away half a page even sometimes. <laughs> so that's the writing process. About three hour, three to four hours to record, but that's just because I am so self conscious about my recording. Because the, there's one po- thing that people like to point out: it's my accent because. No one from Northern Ireland ever gets. Yeah. There's, not many, there's not many. There's not many Northern Irish YouTubers, and those that do exi- exist. Um, you know, when they, when those that are like, I mean, I'm getting like around, I average around hundred thousand views a video ish mm-hmm. within that range. So I also get predominantly Americans who've never heard of North. When people think of Ireland, they just think, oh, it's the yardy yardy yard. Everyone's, yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone's from Dublin, and that's it. Of course, of course. Uh, so this, so who knows what this is? And then I also sound when I record kind of American because I think it's just a sort of an affliction I picked up watching so much American media. Yeah, I'm younger. Oh yeah, no, but I, I completely understand that as well. It's 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 sort of it, it does seep in, you know. I yeah. think it's uh, like I, I I grew up watching. Buffy, yeah, and it's that sort of way of speaking just makes has made its way into mine. Yeah, it's like if I say the word like so, it's like power. I say power in my videos because uh-huh. that's clear to Americans. Where we say power, you know, of course, we yeah. power. So it's, so <laughs> everything, everything just sort of it's just crammed into this one noise. Yeah. So I kind of I've always got into that sort of presenter phase, and I'm at a point where I actually don't mind it. I kind of like it. I think it works for my, it works for the tone of my videos because. Mm-hmm. I honestly, I know it's like, again, it's different for me because I have to hear it on a regular basis, but like, I sometimes think it's no different than the way a lot of Americans ham up their accent when they make videos, Yep. you know, and so I, I never see, I don't see too much of a problem now, but it's something that always makes me self-conscious, uh, and they go from that there, so the recording bit, once the recording's done, editing, I, I can edit in a day now because it's, really? because I know my scale, I know the skeleton of how my video is usually structured okay. and I know the pace of it well enough because once I select the music, I edit to the pace of that music and then so okay. I kind of cut and change based on that because I come from a filmmaking background, the editing was always my thing. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I never like treat what I do as like, like again, not like an essay format. I go, okay, if I was making this as a short film, as a documentary piece, how would I make it? So I kind of make it flow naturally like that and by luck, the music sometimes just paces it nicely for you. Okay. And if it doesn't, I'll chop and change things in. So I can usually do it in a day, day and a half. Uh, yeah. Then there's usually then, I like to get it up for patrons a couple of days uh, earlier mm-hmm. for the, mm-hmm. you know, those that are uh, girl early access. Release it on a Sunday night because that tends to be where I get the biggest jump of viewers. Some Like again, these are things that are just predictions to me. Mm-hmm. And then just straight into the next day. So about a week is usually how long it takes. Well, four days 
in right. total, roughly. Okay. Um, sometimes five. Uh, and if I'm in like a really good mood and a really yeah. good zone, I could probably get two done the week. Um, oh. But I'm off the impression you see a lot. You'll see like a lot of uh, SS to like get like two videos out a week, and I'm like. Okay, there's definitely something. Either they have some <laughs> secret I don't know, which, well, obviously, there's people at higher staff who have been yeah, encouraged yeah. to hire staff, but I'm mm-hmm. um, like, I'm higher staff, then it feels like I've become, I don't want to become a manager. I don't like the idea of what I do becoming a business, yeah. even though I run like a business because yeah. I have to pay tax at the end of the day. <laughs> but uh, it's, um, so that's, that's the general structure. And then, uh, again, sometimes I'll just work weekends and stuff if I feel like it. But mm-hmm. uh, it does vary, but that's the general gist of it. It do get a full weekend. And as long as my videos average 10 to 12 minutes, that's what I'm targeting. Uh-huh. But I'm in a flow right now that just works for me. And okay. I'll change it up. If, if it's a video on something specific that I'm really passionate about, I'll probably spend more time on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the Once Upon a Time video I made, it's 18 minutes, mm-hmm. which is a, which is a slog for people to listen to a video for 18 minutes. But I was like, I'm really into this. I like where everything flows and I'm content not to chop anything from it. Okay. See, just mentioning that, that, that 10 minute thing. Yeah. Was that a reasonably recent change for YouTube that all videos are like, they have to be 10 minutes, otherwise... The, oh, there's the mysterious no algorithm. Uh, yeah, yeah. So basically. like, every, like I'll get I get always a comment comments on a regular basis. People message me going like, "What is the secret to the algorithm?" And the secret is nobody knows. <laughs> yeah. Anyone that says they know the algorithm is a liar. Uh, <laughs> that's my controversial statement because it is mostly prediction because YouTube's not transparent, so we don't know what's going to help our numbers or anything. So. Uh, the 10 minute thing yeah I've, I heard it with the whole premise of it was that if you do the 10 minutes YouTube's more likely to push it in the suggestions in the search bar and stuff like that which is kind of what right. you want um, with me it's like I kind of I guess it's sort of to me it's like an OCD thing where I like the premise of everything being over 10 minutes because I do like the idea that because I like content creators that make videos that are like 15 20 mm-hmm. minutes long as I said like the ones I mentioned like uh, like Dom Noble and, and uh, Matt Buck like they, their videos are like good go approach the 20 minute mark and I kind of I like the idea that I'm watching it almost like a, an episode of something. Yeah, yeah. It feels more, I don't know, it just feels more uh, weightful to me. Like, I, yeah, I like no, the idea. I understand, that, yeah. I, I understand like, a lot of people are kind of, because you see, like, I know, like, uh, everyone loves Nerdwriter, and he releases, like, these sort of seven-minute videos and stuff like that, but I don't feel like I get anything from seven minutes. I like yeah. I like the idea where it's like, oh, this person's just, like, they're on a roll, and mm-hmm. I like going with it. But that's that's sort of, so I just sort of got into that mood of like, I like the idea that there's a, a balance between something being too short for my liking and something being mm-hmm. way too long. Yeah. Uh, so that's sort of just been the middle ground I've worked within. Okay, okay. Uh, again, this, uh, we spoke about this just before recording. Um, you mentioned that, you, well, I've heard people refer to it as the YouTube grind. Yeah. You know, where if, if say you didn't upload one week, your your views might be gone the next yeah is is that i mean is there truth to that um like it's more it's more like i guess theoretical than anything i think mm-hmm. people always say oh youtube's so volatile you can wake up the next day without your job but then anyone can wake up the next day without their job so That's i don't point. so yeah. i always like so i i do think us as youtubers we do kind of take we do take it for granted how you know what we get what we are able to get from the platform even mm-hmm. though the platform doesn't give it back at times um but yeah like i've heard i i'll hear in passing someone say oh if you miss two weeks then people start you know youtube starts to push you out of their 
you know, I, right, you know, right, right. your your video doesn't get pushed to your subscribers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Again, like I understand there's truth to it for some people. I don't know personally what works for me. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I just find if I release on a Sunday and I wake up the next day and it's got I'll release like eleven o'clock because that's like most of my subscribers are American. So I'll right, like right. wake up the next day with like thirty thousand views within like twelve hours. I'm like, okay, it's gonna be a good video. <laughs> All right, okay. Whereas there's been day or days I've woken up where it's been like uh, twenty thousand views and mm-hmm. in, 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 this is a twelve hours. And said I, but again, that's what I mean by taking it for granted. Like twenty thousand views is still twenty thousand views. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know monetarily that means nothing really uh, right. in the grand scheme of things. But um, yeah, there's there's things about like okay, the way you do your thumbnails. Uh, like people always say you should put your big dumb face in the thumbnail. Mm-hmm. I don't do it because I do have a big dumb face and doesn't fit in the <laughs> thumbnail. So I just like think okay, I just make a thumbnail. It'll do. Uh, like uh-huh. I was saying, there's a said earlier. It was like the Ghostbusters video I released. Uh, it's sitting around seventy five thousand views, which is bad in the context of my entire year right but that's still great for uh-huh. it's still a great number okay. um yeah, yeah. but that's bad and then i kind of look at it and go okay was it because i released it at christmas and there's no one around to watch it or was it because the thumbnail was bad it's probably because the thumbnail was bad as well because the thumbnail was pretty terrible because i really half-assed it and uh, <laughs> i was just wanting to get off for christmas um or was it because of some other external factor like didn't were my tags not good enough was the title not good enough mm-hmm. was, um and then now that i set up an offer three weeks if I upload uh, the Once Upon a Time video, will it will it be seem will YouTube treat me like I've just uh, left the platform and not pushed the video, right, right, right. or will it blow up? Like, um, so at the start of last year, Hereditary was the first video I released that year. It was the biggest video of my entire year. It's like one something one one point two million or something. I don't know what it's in that, but like that was a surprise to me because I expected it to do low numbers, but mm-hmm. it did really well. Uh, whereas the year before, I had to build those numbers right back up again. It wasn't until April where things started hitting the stride again. Okay. And so you can never, and again, like, when there's like anyone that thinks like it's like um, the whole system to it, I think is, you know, obviously we can use our analytics and that mm-hmm. kind of helps us predict things. Like, you know, there's some people that are really obsessive about it. I, I do like to play, as I was saying earlier, by playing the whole ignorance is bliss, where it's like, I don't want to obsess over those numbers because it does become that grind where if I become chasing numbers and always constantly trying to play, you know, it's like people say, um, oh, your video's got a clickbait title. It's like, yes, but I need people to see the, get into the video first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's still like, you know, it's it's like any 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 sensationalist programming on television. It all has to get your attention somehow. Yeah. And like, sorry to interrupt. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. just, it, it always annoys me when people talk about clickbait. Um I understand where people are coming from if it's clickbait that leads to nothing. But if it's clickbait that leads to the thing that the headline says, yeah. that's not a problem. Yeah, that, that's when it doesn't become clickbait. Because we it's yeah, it's it's like if someone says the video is this and it's not this, that's be it, right? Yeah. That's just trying to get you in the video. Yeah. Uh, there, you see there was a while years ago where I real you know, you saw like YouTubers like Philip DeFranco like putting nude women pretty yeah, much yeah, yeah. in their thumbnails. <laughs> Because that got people to click on the video, and it might have the vaguest like because you don't want to straight up lie to your audience, but as long mm. as it has a vague attention to that, it's enough. Yeah. Um, whereas, like you know, if I say like, uh, so one one of my videos is like uh, the greatest psychological thriller you've never seen, then mm-hmm. the comments are filled with "I have seen it, so you're a liar." And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like, and then you know, or some or, or I guess the big titles people like to use are "ending explained." Mm. like I don't like that kind of content I mean I do some of my most viewed videos have ending explained because people love 
people love movies being explained because it mm-hmm. seems like people don't like paying attention to the things they watch. <laughs> and, you know, then you watch that video and you realize he's not explaining anything. He's just reading the Wikipedia article. And mm-hmm. even the Wikipedia article is wrong. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so I I, uh, I know that seems like I'm alluding to a specific channel, but, like, there's so many <laughs> channels that do it. Um, and, like, fair play, it's fish- it, fits, it fits a niche, a really popular niche, but mm-hmm. I don't want to subscribe to the idea that... I'm just trying to get views. I do yeah. want to make sure what I'm doing is meaningful to me. I may have said about the whole therapeutic thing. I like the idea that this is a sort of self-discovery thing or at least a, a way of trying to apply, you know, uh, like I think horror is or is always treated like as the immature genre that can't be taken seriously. You know, obviously you see it when it comes to, you know, it's, it's like there was an article a few years back someone said about we live in the age of post-horror where horror movies are, you know, nice used for social commentary statements. Like they've always been like that. Yeah. Every movie's always been like that. Was it elevated horror? Was that what it was? Yeah, as well? elevated horror. Yeah, because because one movie like the Babadook decides to use it as a metaphor for grief. Suddenly, <laughs> it's like we're not only living that age now, even though you know that, yeah. that's the point of my channel. Is like I I think it's more exciting for me. It's like hey, this thing that was once perceived as really really bad or misperceived is like you know, just being, oh, it's just a slasher movie. Like, like I did Nightmare on Elm Street where people were just like, oh, it's just about a, a crazy killer lunatic, you know, in people's dreams. And I'm mm-hmm. like, no, it's about, like, sexual promiscuity. It's about growing up. It's about all these other things. And then people say you're full of bollocks. And then <laughs> it, it just becomes, that's where the grind comes. Uh, yeah. I know I was just sort of straight away from the actual question. No, no. But generally the whole system is uh, I upload a video and then the worst thing I can do is look at the number of views. I care more about the comments. I care more about seeing mm-hmm. people re- react to it than anything okay. else. Um, well, I sort of had a question about that. It's, it's sort yeah. of the, the community that you've built up around your, your videos, your, your yeah. subscribers. I mean, what, what's that community like? I think the whole sort of difference between I upload a video and I'm terrified if anyone will see it compared to people that have like these devoted fan bases where like... Uh, I really love uh, Super Eye Patch Wolf. Uh, I think he's a brilliant content creator. He's uh, Irish as well, and he, you know, he released the video. It could be on anything, and he'll get he'll get the hits. He'll get the really? views for it. Um, stuff's amazing. Like granted, so he has a really good devoted fan base. He goes to conventions. He got you know, and it's it's great to see. I would love to build something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always I I still feel like I'm always chasing to make sure that my subscribers are seeing it because I think. It's a difference between are people there because it's a cult of personality or are they there because they just want uh, your opinion on a movie. So I'm balancing the two where it's like I'm not – I don't really have much of a personality. So I'm kind of more like straying heavier into the whole people that like horror movies and want to hear people talk about horror movies. Mm -hmm. So like I do have a – so I think I have a sort of a a split divide between people that do like me and come for me and then those that are there purely because oh he's talking about some horror movie I saw once uh, okay. that was that's you know then it, it'll be like and I wish it strayed more towards the people that are coming for me I know that sounds extremely egotistical but like what can you say it is an egotistical platform no, no, but I, it's it's sort of a, I think I like the idea that it's like yeah people are coming for you because it means that they say see eye to eye with you they see where you're coming from mm-hmm. whereas if I talk about a horror movie and then start talking about any sort of theme or commentary then people think oh you're you're some sort of uh, you're being woke or you're being whatever those things yeah. I, I did the movie review of Us and then people go oh look here's another person doing the whole uh, white guilt thing and Already all good. that nonsense comes in and then and again these are some, these all these, there's some people in that small group are people that are subscribed to you but mm-hmm. it's, again they're not there for you they're there for you to talk about some horror movie okay so there's always that divide uh, my I, everyone that's on my Patreon uh, is in a Discord community and those guys are all awesome because mm-hmm. they'll, they'll talk about everything under the sun and they'll like okay. share things and it's been like 100% positive I always have that fear that you don't know what sort of uh, 
that sort of outspoken person you're waiting for them to come in and then ruin everyone's fun but everyone's <laughs> been like so like humble and caring towards each other and it's like oh, it's that's like, it's kind of thing you want to build yeah so um you know like there is always that there is always that thing where you know you, you want it, you always want it to be positive and i think it is like it is like 95 percent positive and then there's five percent in the comments or people that just hate you because of your accent or because you may have accidentally alluded to some political opinion that you might have, whereas <laughs> I don't really have one. I just yeah. sort of see it as I see it. Because yeah. I, again, you know, I, I, there's always that thing where it's like, okay, if I say it, apparently that means I'm claiming it's fact, which is not. Everything is in my opinion. And I have to constantly stress that. That's <laughs> well, it's, it's what YouTube's going to YouTube. Yeah. Sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so what um, what opportunities say, has your, your channel afforded you that maybe you might not have, have got previously? Like, am I... I might be wrong here, but have you given talks at some? Point? Um, well, I've been you see, well, so like I have lectured in in Ulster uh, a few uh -huh. times, but that's because I was connected connected with Alan uh, Alan Parkin, who's the lecturer there, mm -hmm. or, uh, or Alec Parkin. Sorry, <laughs> I keep forgetting everyone's names now. And um, so the universities uh, I've done like I get I get like uh, people like I get I have like had lecturers and had teachers and stuff like I'd say hey we want to use your videos and our classes which I'm oh, like well if you want your students to feel that's all right go ahead <laughs> with me um, like nothing nothing substantial I get like a lot of emails about doing things but I'm always like I kind of like no one wants to hear me talk but I, I think I've always wanted to branch out and it's something I'm looking to do but I think okay. it's you know like anything it's that fear of like okay if I it's like it's the fear of like leaving that bubble of mm -hmm. what'll happen. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? But mm -hmm. I always have that. I always start one thing, then get distracted with the channel again, then never get back to it. Yeah, I one hundred percent understand <laughs> yeah. where you're coming from with that. Um, just going to wrap up quite yeah. quite uh, soon here. What would be the the biggest misconception about what it is that you do? That I just watch movies all day. <laughs> See, like like the thing is so. I think generally speaking, I what I do, people. So I'll see people that are obviously outside the bubble don't really understand YouTube. Just see it as I watch a horror movie and then just review it and mm -hmm. say it's good or bad, and that's it. And that's it. I just get my opinion on something, which in the in the most basic sense it is. Mm -hmm. uh, but like it is a, it is at the end of the day, I do have to operate everything I do like a business. You know, I do have to schedule everything. I do have to do the thumbnails. I do have to make sure I'm doing my research. I have to. You know, edit, write, record. You have to do all those things. Uh, then, yeah, as I said, I have to do your tax returns. You have to pay your tax. Then you have to go and make sure everything's legally signed. You have to. So you are you are running this tiny little enterprise all to yourself. And mm -hmm. it, it the misconception would be is that it is just as simple as you know putting something online and that's it. And then there's still the perception that people think uh, that you're making millions and millions and millions of pounds, which you're definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, lastly, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me on YouTube, youtube.com, youtube.com slash Ryan Hollinger, it's just my full name, mm -hmm. I don't want to go with a silly name. Uh, they can also find me on Twitter, uh, at the, at Ryan Hollinger as well. So handy is there's not many Hollingers in this world, so, <laughs> out there, and then I'm also on Instagram at Horror Hollinger, which I've started using more often than other things, because every other platform's a cesspit. <laughs> so that, that's about it, uh, generally. Okay, nope, that's, that's great. Uh, Ryan, thank you very much for, yeah, for talking to me today. Me. And that was my interview with YouTuber Ryan Hollinger. And if you want to check out his work, which you definitely should, I've put all the links, including his Patreon, in the show notes. If you're still listening at the very end of the episode, could I ask you a favor? If you'd kindly go to our Apple Podcast page and rate us five stars and or subscribe. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at KYBpod and on Instagram at KnowYouBetterPod. And even better, you know, word of mouth works quite well as well. Tell a friend. Tell a co-worker. 
Tell your mom. Get in touch. Let's get talking. But until next time, bye!